This is a very important story. The important story. I'm Julia Roberts, and in the midst of COVID-19, we have a historic opportunity to look at the world as it is, the facts of the world as it is, and then to really focus on the solutions to some of our greatest problems. In the 75 years since the United Nations was founded, the human race has never had to face a set of challenges like we do right now, but together, we can overcome them. Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. And there are still lots to be done. Don't be afraid to step into your greatness, people. This is Nations United, urgent solutions for urgent times. September 2020, and the world is still in the grip of a global pandemic. There have been more than 27 million confirmed cases and more than 900,000 people have died. Billions of people have been in lockdown for months. Lives and livelihoods have been threatened and lost. As some lockdowns are easing, people are emerging into a different, uncertain world with a new appetite for change. Today, we feel the weight of history on our shoulders. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown how fragile the world is. Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the United Nations. A microscopic virus has put us on our knees. And that fragility should make us humble. COVID-19 has been likened to an X-ray, exposing fractures in the skeletons of the societies we've built. A world with great inequality, which must be righted. And a world which must win the battle against climate catastrophe. The whole planet is at stake. So this is a moment to recognize that the way we have been moving leads nowhere and that we need to change course. The lockdowns also showed that our environment itself could change. In the Punjab, for the first time in generations, the Himalayas are visible once again. Lions have reclaimed the roads in the Kruger National Park and in Venice, the canals run clear once more. In the first few weeks of lockdown, Andrea Bocelli stood alone and sang on the steps of the Duomo di Milano. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that the globe, people have had to improvise, adapting to a new normal and changing the way they live to cope with the COVID crisis. From homeschooling and remote working, celebrating the work of doctors and nurses, putting the needs of vulnerable members of society ahead of our own personal freedoms. If you look at the response 
of people to COVID-19, people dramatically changed their lives. But people have shown an enormous capacity to adapt to new circumstances, an enormous capacity to change the way they live, the way they work, the way they organize themselves. So change is possible. The problem is political will. On the 25th of September, 2015, all United Nations member states signed up to the Sustainable Development Goals, a set of solutions for the biggest problems that our world faces. Over the next 30 minutes, we'll look at the four key areas where we must take urgent action. Poverty and inequality, justice and human rights, and gender equality. But let's start with climate and our planet. New Year's Eve, 2019, New South Wales, Australia. If you're in Mogos or surrounding coastal areas, you're at risk. Leaving now is the safest option, so leave now towards the beach and shelter in place. Oh my god, my neighbor's house. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. Last December, Australia recorded temperatures above 47 degrees. And in January, bushfires caused tens of thousands to flee from their homes. This is a real nightmare. I can't believe this is real. I can't see anything. This is literally not real. This is not real. Oh my freaking God. We just have to get down this road to the beach. Nearly three billion animals were killed or displaced in these fires. All I want is my family. All I want is to be safe. Pictures and stories continue to file out from Australia. The last decade was the hottest decade on record. Overnight, another onslaught from an ever-expanding inferno. Extreme weather displaces over 20 million people a year. And just this year, we've seen Siberian fires and catastrophic flooding in Jakarta in February. Rising death toll and massive evacuation in Indonesia. Devastating swarms of locusts in East Africa in April. Cyclone Amphorn in eastern India and Bangladesh in May. It could be the worst the area has seen in 20 years. Over 400 wildfires in Alaska. And in August, more wildfires on America's Pacific coast. Well, the fires raging in Northern California have now become some of the largest in state history. Climate change is man-made, and the main driver is CO2 pollution from burning fossil fuels. Global temperatures continue to rise. But something else is on the rise. Climate protests all around the world. From London, to Australia. We are not drowning! We are not drowning! We are not drowning! To New Zealand. Uganda. Climate change is here now, and it is killing people right now. The people who are looking at it right in the face. Tokyo. India. Christiana Figueres was the lead negotiator for the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. The next eight to 10 years is going to determine the quality of life for the next 100 to 200 years, if not longer. That's the race that we're in. 
We all watched with amazement when exactly one year ago, young people from all over the world took to the streets to express their feeling that we're not doing enough about climate change, that we're not treating it like the emergency it is. Actor Don Cheadle is a goodwill ambassador for the UN Environment Program. It's a year later now. Have we done enough? No, we have not. And climate change is only part of this story. Our rainforests are disappearing at an extraordinary rate. One football field of rainforest is destroyed every six seconds. One million plant and animal species are on the brink of extinction. By 2050, there will be more plastic in the oceans than fish. And so climate change and our treatment of the natural world are colliding and exacerbating each other to create a perfect storm. This cannot go on. You know it, I know it, and we know what we need to do. In 2015, the U.N. announced 17 Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. We need to follow these goals to ensure that we are the last generation to be threatened by climate change. These are the solutions. We need to reduce global emissions by 50% by 2030. To do this, we need a rapid but just transition to renewable energy. That means an end to the building of new coal power stations and an end to subsidizing of fossil fuels. Governments should also shift the tax burden from payrolls to carbon. Taxing carbon rather than people will increase output and employment while reducing emissions. And we need to stop deforestation in its tracks, planting trees instead of chopping them down. We need to think about what we eat and how we produce food, embracing healthy, nutritious diets, sustainable farming methods, and reducing food waste. The climate crisis is an opportunity. Renewable energy is cheaper than fossil fuels. Thousands of businesses are working to go carbon neutral, and the opportunity to generate clean, safe and decent jobs is enormous. The passion for protest can turn into a passion for changing all of our behavior to create a better, safer, just, sustainable world. Poverty and inequality, they are universal. They undermine every society, everywhere. But poverty is not natural. It is man-made, so poverty is not inevitable. It is an area where the world has made huge progress in the past few decades. Just 30 years ago, there were 1.9 billion people living in extreme poverty, but that number has been transformed. In 2015, it fell to 734 million. That's over a billion people lifted out of poverty. A billion people out of poverty is amazing. Amina Mohammed, Deputy Secretary General of the UN. It was across the world we lifted people out of poverty. Across the world, more kids got into education. It was across the world, maternal mortality was reduced. Um, across the world today, um, not many people will be left without access uh, to a mobile phone. And what that has done to empower them to, to access to education, to a livelihood, is huge. But still, almost 10% of the human race are living unbelievably harsh lives. This is largely determined by their circumstances at birth, and these high levels of inequalities work against better opportunities for all. Opportunities that could change the world. The world is filled with inequality. While we are all floating on the same sea, we are not in the same boat. It's clear that some are in super yachts, while others are clinging to drifting debris. 
Professor Sugarta Mitra is the brains behind what has become known as the hole in the wall experiment. I want to tell you a story about 1999. I used to teach people how to write computer programs. And I had a very, you know, plush office and everything. And just outside of these offices, there was this large, sprawling, urban slum full of children. Now, those children, they had never seen a computer before. They didn't know what the internet was, and they didn't know any English. But I had a, a sneaky kind of suspicion that there was a special relationship between children and computers that perhaps we were not aware of. So one day I tried an experiment. I made an opening in the boundary wall that separated my offices from the slum. And then I fixed a computer into the boundary wall so that from the other side of the wall, you could see the computer and a touchpad. And on the first day, we saw this eight-year-old boy teaching a six-year-old girl how to surf. Now, how on earth did he figure that out? How did he know what the computer was doing three months after I had first put their computer in the wall. Children said they wanted a faster processor and a better mouse. I asked them, how on earth do you know these words? Where did you learn this from? And they said, well, you, you've left a machine here that speaks only in English, so we had no option but to learn the language. Easy, isn't it? I repeated the hole-in-the-wall experiment for five years across the length and breadth of India. We have an enormous potential of what children can achieve together if we let them. There is potential everywhere. We just have to unlock it. Actor and UNDP Goodwill Ambassador Michelle Yeoh. A huge amount depends on where public money is spent. More of it must urgently go into health, into giving everyone a safety net. There is a revolution that is happening in education, global digital literacy, connecting every school, every person to the internet. This can be done. The recovery from COVID must lead to an economy that works for everyone. Let's start with tax. We have widespread tax concessions, tax avoidance, and tax evasion, which means that there's so much less money for all the crucial things. Health, education, social protection, green jobs. Many developing countries are weighed down by historical debts, spending more money on debt repayments than they are spending on healthcare and improving their own people's lives. And then there's importance of global investment in peace. More and more, the poorest countries in the world are those countries where conflicts and violence tear apart people's lives and chances. The peace dividend for the world is immeasurable. That's why in March, the UN Secretary General called for a global ceasefire. And we must break the vicious cycle of corruption and increase the power of the people to keep check on the people in power, a strong civil society, a free, independent media, and responsible social media platforms that encourage healthy debate. 
Equality unleashes the potential of everyone to improve their own lives and contribute to the lives of everyone else. In April, the novelist Erin Dati Roy wrote an essay entitled The Pandemic is a Portal, in which she argued that the pandemic presents us with an unparalleled opportunity to reimagine our future. Forrest Whitaker reads her words. Whatever it is, coronavirus has made the mighty kneel and brought the world to a halt like nothing else could. Our minds are still racing back and forth, longing for a return to normality, trying to stitch our future to our past and refusing to acknowledge the rupture. But the rupture exists. And in the midst of this terrible despair, it offers us a chance to rethink the doomsday machine we have built for ourselves. Nothing could be worse than a return to normality. Historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine a world anew. This one is no different. It's a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We could choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, or we can walk through it lightly. With a little luggage, ready to imagine another world and ready to fight for it. Amina Mohammed. There's a certain outrage for injustice right now in every sphere. I think we're at a moment where COVID perhaps has helped us realize that there is an intergenerational transition and that young people now are waking up to the calls that we've had from my generation, which have said, look, this is the opportunity you've got to make things change. Um, and they are rising up and that we are bringing young people to the table now, not as a token, but to help us shape and to take that baton, to take up the gauntlet and to move forward. People fighting for justice, but fighting for your justice, not just mine. And, and to see that without your justice, mine won't be fulfilled either. Thank you for the invitation to here today to talk about my big brother. The world knows him as George, but I called him Perry. In June, George Floyd's brother, Felonis, gave testimony to the U.S. House Judiciary Committee. Yesterday, we laid him to rest. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I'm the big brother now, so it's my job to comfort my brothers and my sisters, Perry's kids, and everyone who loved him. And that's a lot of people. I couldn't take care of George that day he was killed, but maybe by speaking with you today, I can make sure that his death would not be in vain. To make sure that he is more than another face on a t-shirt, more than another name on a list that won't stop growing. I'm here to ask you to make it stop. George called for help and he was ignored. Please listen to the calls ringing out the streets across the world. People of all backgrounds, genders and races have come together to demand change. The people marching in the streets are telling you enough is enough. 
I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to Perry while he was here. I was robbed of that. But I but I know he's looking down at us now. Perry, look up at what you did. Big brother, you changed the world. I hope you can rest in peace with power. After the genocide and destruction of the Second World War, the United Nations was founded. Enshrined in its charter was the fact that all people are equal and entitled to the same respect, justice, and human rights. This remains a simple truth, and yet across the globe, this struggle is still being fought. Amina Mohammed, Deputy Secretary General of the UN. The more we've seen poverty and inequality, hunger, conflict, the more we understand that it is about the person that could be left behind. And so it's really important that we don't leave anyone behind. And we ask ourselves, country by country, community, region, the world, who are the no ones? Um, and they're defined in many different ways depending where you're coming from. And so, you know, discrimination, exclusion, all of that provides uh, fodder for instability in the world. And, and we, we know that everyone has a right to um, a life of dignity. Inequality for women is one of the world's greatest injustices. But it is an injustice that must be and will be swept away. Tandy Newton takes up the story. 75% of parliamentarians are men. 73% of managerial decision-makers are men. 67% of climate negotiators are men. And 87% of the people at the peace table are men. Even though we know that when peace settlements include women, the negotiations and outcomes are more durable. Globally, Almost one in five women has experienced violence in the past 12 months at the hands of a man they know. Women and girls do three times as much unpaid care and domestic work as men. The global gender pay gap is stuck at 16%. Every year, 12 million girls are married before 18. All of this has to change. It's time to stop trying to change women and start changing the systems that prevent them from achieving their potential. And this is the battle that women in this century will not lose. They are too strong and their voices will not be silenced. I was named after a girl, an Afghani folk hero who was killed in a battle. 
Just after I was born, my father got our family tree. It went back 300 years, but not a single girl or woman's name appeared on it. He decided to make me the first. He wrote Malala. That's me. When her father's school was closed down by the Taliban, Malala Yousafzai began to campaign for the rights of young girls across Pakistan to go to school. I have rights. I have the right of education. I have the right to play. I have the right to sing. I have the right to talk. I have the right to go to market. I have the right to speak up. They shot her in the head. She is still in critical condition. She was airlifted to a military hospital in Peshawar, where she had served. As surgeons battled to save her life, vigils took place throughout the world. In this first photo released today, Malala's eyes are open and she appears alert. Now we have some really good news to report tonight. Malala Yousafzai walked out of a London hospital today. Today, it is an honor for me to be speaking again after a long time. They thought that the bullet would silence us, but they failed. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage was born. Today is the day of every girl who have raised their voice for their rights. In 2014, at the age of 17, Malala Yousafzai became the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Today, she continues to campaign for universal education for girls, but she doesn't want to do it alone. My message uh, right now is to young people. Uh, we are living in a world where uh, Things are not the way we want. Uh, we are getting a system, we are getting a world which is unequal, which is sexist, which is racist. We have systems that are discriminating against people. Uh, our climate, our environment is at risk. And there's so much that needs to be done. But I hope that young people, they stand up, they raise their voices, uh, they start their activism right now. Let your age not stop you. Oftentimes we're told that, you know, you have to be 40 and 50 to change the world. I do not believe in that. I think you can be a change maker right now. If you are 11, if you are 16, if you are, you know, 30, 40, change is possible anytime. And I want you to believe in yourself and make this world a fairer, a more equal and a better place for each and every one. Tandy Newton. And once again, there are positive solutions that can turn things around fast. We need more women in positions of power at every level of government. The time has come for quotas that make sure women are equally represented in every country. It's time to make our laws equal so that every woman is entitled to a job and a national identification card and to own property. Women must be able to live free from violence and have the right to make decisions over their bodies and lives, especially in choosing if and when they marry. We must guarantee full access to sexual and reproductive health services and rights. We must provide the money to close the gap in girls' education. 
and there are important changes needed to achieve economic empowerment for women. From equal access to finance, to ending the gender pay gap, to equal access to the digital world, from mobile bank accounts, to digital payment systems and digital education. It just doesn't make sense. Women are half of the population, but society does not treat us as equals. This is a legacy that needs to change here and now, by changing our behaviors, but also by changing laws and common practices across the world. We must all make that happen, now. It's a myth that each and every one of us doesn't have the ability to change the world dramatically and quickly. There have been enormous shifts in power and behavior to the benefit of all humanity. It can happen again. We can create and enjoy green jobs, live healthier lives with cleaner air and better diets, and in more equal societies, all of us, men and women, can enjoy safer and more productive lives. There is power in every decision we make. We can shape society and the future of our planet and people in every choice we make. My final message is, let's be humble. Antonio Gutierrez, Secretary General of the UN. Let's recognize our fragilities and let's understand that only in unity and solidarity we will be able to address them. It's true in each one of our countries. It's true at global level. And let's take profit of the 75th anniversary of the United Nations to think together how better we can organize the international community to address climate change, inequality, pandemics like the COVID-19, and so many other aspects that can only be solved if we join together and if we are able to have one common strategy, one common project, and uh, one common determination uh, in favor of peace, of development, and human rights in the world. So can we do it? Is change possible? It is, depends only on the political will. Our final word goes to Beyonce. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. Know there was something that meant something that I left behind. When I leave this world, I'll leave no regrets. It's something to remember so they won't forget I was here. I lived, I loved, I was here. I did, I've done everything that I wanted, and it was more than I thought it would be. I will leave my mark. So everyone will know I was here
We know the facts. We have the solutions. With Nations United, power can be given to all. And that power used for justice and equality for people and planet. Use your power. Find out how at un.org slash sustainable development.